Hi, I'm Shalini. And I'm Chris Sales. And we're hosts of IBM Z DevOps Talks podcast. If you've ever listened to any of our podcasts, we really appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. This is part one of our two-part series with Chris Trowbridge from IBM. We had such interesting and technically dense content in this episode that we decided to break it into two parts. In part one, we get to know a little bit more about Chris, his travels, as well as IBM Wazi's developer and the renowned Hypercube technology. So check it out and stay tuned for part two coming shortly. Thanks for listening. Bye. Uh, okay, so... Um, Let Shalini do it. Yeah, I was just going to say, Shalini, <laughs> is this the episode? And well, I mean, why, why, yeah, why not? Who cares? I'm, I'm, I am, uh, whether officially or unofficially, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping into an executive producer role. So, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Self-initiated executive producer. Well, I mean, I'm going to update my LinkedIn, so then it's official. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Z DevOps Talks. Uh, today we have Chris Trowbridge from IBM talking with us. Chris, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. No, we're, we've been, you're a very sought after guest. We've been trying to trying to track you down and we are very glad to have you. As we usually start, I uh, wanted to sort of get a little bit, little bit of background, talk about what you've been doing, you know, where you're from, stuff like that. Um, just general CV and, and sort of background information. Um, Shalini's so, here too. Yeah, hi, Shalini. Oh, yeah. Hi, Shalini. Again. Hello. Hi. Yeah, she's here. I um, I Horna, you weren't here, but I was like, I would like to be called Chris for this podcast because I feel kind of left out. <laughs> There's three Chris's on, but yeah. Chris Trowbridge, Chris, not so, not Hoyna, not Sales. Tell us a little bit about your background. Where, where, starting with where are you from? I'm from Plymouth in in England, which is down in the southwest of the of the country. Left there to go to university. Did degrees in maths and statistics, and then uh, went to work for a university uh, teaching computing and programming to non-examinable uh, and non-undergraduate staff. So for postgrad projects and researchers, teaching them how to program and uh, worked on a lot of interesting projects there. As part of the podcast, we usually do a little bit of digging and try to find some um, other things than IT to talk to our guests about. And man, you're, you're tough. I couldn't find anything on the web aside from IT for you. Uh, that's probably right. I, <laughs> in, in the past, I've done an awful lot of traveling, been to hundreds of countries. Well, any, any standout countries? Uh, countries I like, uh, Venezuela, uh, South Africa, I like a lot. But I've been all over the world, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, China, Japan, all sorts of places, most of South America. Did you do any of like the the backpacking stuff? Did you see any like, uh, yeah, what did you do in those countries? Just visiting or did you do any like outdoorsy stuff? I, 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 I used to have a job opening up countries for a software company. So going in, recruiting distributors. And uh, so that meant gradually I'd go to smaller and smaller countries and take time in them. So one year I just concentrated on the Caribbean. So I'd fly into Florida and then kind of island hop down the island chain down to Venezuela, which was interesting. (laughs) 
That's a lot of flying, especially because you're based out of the UK, right? I am, yes. But I, over the years, I've been to lo- I've been in in hurricanes and uh, coups and all sorts of things have happened while I've been traveling. That's that's you're going to write a book eventually. <laughs> I hope. Please, so, I buy it. Yeah, but it's it's been good fun. How long would you would you stay at these places that you would? Uh, some places I stay, you know, several months. Other places just fly in and out. In and out. I mean, I I flew to Venezuela once and intended to stay there for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. As as I got there, there was a an attempt to overthrow the government. So I spent uh, three days in a bunker in somebody's basement wow. <laughs> and flew out without really seeing the outside. <laughs> That, that's a problem story. That is quite the story. You would not expect that in like the software, whatever job bump to be having those kind of travel experiences. That's not in the job description, right? <laughs> well, uh, all sorts of interesting things happen. Working for a smaller company, then there were none of the restrictions that IBM has of where where you can go and who you can sell to. So I went to South Africa before uh, before apartheid ended and things like that. And so I was told I would be going to see a company that produced uh, sunwear and sunglasses and uh, things like that for the leisure, leisure industry. When I got there, it was actually Arms Corps. And, uh... Oh, wow. <laughs> what? Do you, hold on. Do you secretly work for MI6 or what's happening here? It's, it's starting to sound that way. From there, I then went to work for an insurance company, setting up and and running their uh, development environment tools group to create a development environment and implement tools like SEM tools. From there, I was recruited by one of the software companies that I'd been working with as a product manager and traveled with around the world with them, developing new uh, new countries, create, setting up business partners and uh, working with those business partners to sell the product. So traveling a lot all around the world, really setting up the international side of a software company that eventually got uh, bought a couple of times, eventually ended up uh, being part of the Broadcom family. Uh, <laughs> hey, Chris, Chris, when you said SCM, did you did you say SCM, like source code management? That- it, it was source code management, yes. Okay. So, right. and, and that became one of the areas I specialized in when that company was finally taken over, I left to uh, join another startup, uh, not a non-mainframe company this time in the distributed world, again, specializing in uh, software configuration management, working in the same area, setting up distributors and traveling around the world. So opening up countries like Israel and Australia and a wide variety of places. Uh, and that company, after several uh, changes uh, was eventually bought by IBM. I joined the IBM family from there. So that would have been about 12 years ago. And at that point, uh, IBM were setting up a new SCM product, configuration management product for the ZE customers. And I went back to the area. So having been off ZE for 10 years, I went back to ZE with IBM and became a an offering manager, product manager for their mainframe product, now called Enterprise Workload Manager. And then over the years with IBM, I've been offering manager for several of the frontline products on 
Z DevOps and also been responsible for monitoring our competitors and gathering competitive information on the mainframe. So you do work for MI6, it's just IBM MI6. <laughs> yes, I work for IBM's MI6. That's, you know, this is the coolest thing. Um, so a quick question about your, your history in SCM. Did you ever, or were you ever involved with Rational Team Concert? I was. That, that was the uh, product that I became offering manager for Rational Team Concert for, for ZOS. So the Z version of Rational Team Concert. So I'd worked very closely with the uh, distributed side and from really from it, from its launch until uh, three or four years ago, I was the offering manager for Rational Team Concert on, on Z. Oh, you, you mentioned frontline product. I was just curious what, uh, what would, what, uh, that's a, that's a new term that I've Well, no, just, of, of our product line at, at times have been offering manager for IDZ, for ADDI, I've been involved in the acquisition of EasySource, bringing EasySource into the the company, and and several other technology acquisitions as well. Um, I've been offering manager for the testing tools for uh, ADDI and ADI, and now I also, besides uh, the the work I'm currently doing uh, with ADDI um, and GitLab. I'm also offering manager for a project to standardize and enhance the, the search tools and scanners that we use in, in underneath all our products. Right. And I kind of wanted to ask you, what are you working on at the moment exactly? So uh, we recently created a partnership with GitLab and I'm working on a project to enhance GitLab with Z capabilities so that it can be used for ZOS development. So uh, currently, the team I'm working with are preparing the and identifying the capabilities that we need to add to the product mm -hmm. to make GitLab suitable for ZOS development. And we're very close to, to doing that. But that's uh, one of the things I'm working on. Then uh, we have also uh, recently been enhancing the technology we're using for our cloud-based web-centric development tools for, for WASI. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been out looking for technology that we can bring into IBM to use with those tools. And what um, have you discovered in that process? We, we have discovered that a lot of the technology we have, although very powerful, is difficult to containerize. So we were looking for things that would shortcut our, our move to the cloud and to be cloud-centric so that we could develop solutions that could be containerized. So, for example, ADDI is a powerful and very large product, but we need to have something that is compact uh, and can be deployed rapidly and can have rapid response times. So I've been helping that team bring the technology into IBM that will enable us to take that power and make it available in in the cloud. Right. And I know you, you've mentioned the rapid response times in, in some of your presentations as well. Can you kind of speak to why that is so important to have that rapid response time? If you're implementing a CI-CD pipeline in real time, it, it's no good, for example, if you look at 
an application and want to extract information about the dependencies and what needs to be packaged and deployed if you can't do that in real time. So you can't wait for a a full system scan of everything and overnight to, to build your deployment packages, for example. So when you're doing it automatically, you want something that is going to respond instantaneously. So when, for example, a developer says, I want to deploy these this set of changes you want to be able to go out and build the complete deployment package to know what else depends on the things that the developer has changed to put to ensure that the package that's deployed is complete so you need to do that impact analysis automatically and rapidly now that means an api that is going to respond in real time and you've got to have current information so what we've found is Scanners that can scan rapidly, a repository that can respond with sub-second responses, and full APIs so that we can we can extract the information from anywhere. Okay. And you'll see in all the products that are coming out that the technology is gradually being deployed through all our products. So ADDI will be the first to implement this new technology and uh, you'll see it appear in the WASI toolset, in IDZ, in ZOS Connect. So right. this new tech, the new technology that we've brought in enables us to build a pipeline that can be automated and use the intelligence that tools like ADDI give in the pipeline. So rather than having a separate dashboard uh, where you can just uh, do your uh, analysis, Mm-hmm. Our plan is to use that intelligence actively where it's needed. So when somebody goes to deploy or activate the pipeline, we'll use that intelligence to ensure there's completeness. So when a developer goes to make a change, we'll ensure that they have the dependency information uh, available at their fingertips in real time. And it'll be up to date, not waiting for a not something stale that you know was last night's dependencies. It'll take it a, a, into account the changes that the developer's actively making. Right. Okay. So that's and that's different from how things have been working. Well, m- most analysis tools would do an, an analysis of the system overnight, and the developers then would use would use the uh, information the next day, or the analysts would use the information the next day. Um, when a developer's making changes, those dependencies change. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at with our tools is for a developer to be able to rescan their local information where they've made their changes. So to rescan their work workspace as and when they need. And definitely before they do a build or, or, right. or generate a deployment package. So it, it does that at a much more sort of uh, up-to-date process than than what was well we we enhance the the full system scans with local scans that the developer can activate uh, in their workspace okay got it um i also wanted to talk to you a little bit about um i know you you mentioned um the itp partnership um in your in the uh, q1 addi sales play and one of the things you mentioned was um the hypercube technology that that would be coming in with that. So can you speak a little bit 
more to that. What exactly is hypercube technology to begin with? A hypercube is is a multidimensional interrogatable database, and it it has some advantages. First of all, it's it's compact, so you can when you generate a hypercube from by scanning code, the resultant the resultant database that you can interrogate is small, small enough to run in memory, which means it can respond very fast, can be containerized very easily. Um, so um, hypercubes have been around for years, but the one we acquired from IDP is the first one that has really enabled that uh, it is, is textual as well as numerical, so can handle textual interrogation as well as uh, doing numeric calculation. You can think of it as a hypercube as like, like a spreadsheet on steroids. It's a, multi, <laughs> <laughs> it's a multidimensional interrogatable uh, repository. Um, yeah. And what does that, that mean for us to have that available? It, it means that we can put information into it and extract. It gives us, the first thing it gives us it is a small transportable repository that we can deploy. So if, for example, a developer goes on and requests a new workspace, we can, at the same time, we could deploy a hypercube, uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of our analysis servers with it. Um, it could analyze rapidly analyze the repository and make that of in, uh, information available to the back to the developer rapidly. So dependency information is at, at the developer's fingertips. So uh, within the hypercube, I understand it's easily deployable. So can you talk about the contents of that are in the hypercube that the developer would rely on or the developer would would utilize it seems to me that there is some corpus or something that is you know you call it or like a repository of maybe uh let me just like an example would be like some sort of like syntax rule or business rule or something like would that be in the hypercube like like is that an example well, the core of it is dependency information and relationships. But you can add into the Hypercube any information that you want. We happen to be using it for program dependencies and flows and data flows in, in that sense. So you can interrogate it for the information you would need to build a system, uh, a picture of the system. So there's graph information in there. You can interrogate it, for example, to find dependency information. So if you change a copybook, tell me the impact mm-hmm. of that change. Mm-hmm. But you can put in there additional information. So we, you can extend it with, with whatever you want. And in different areas, we have and are extending it with additional information. No, that's helpful. That's helpful. So and, and you, because of the way that it is... Architected doesn't necessarily mean that you can that it uh, needs to be containerized, but you can containerize it, and because you can containerize it, we can take that and wrap it up into the WASI slash OpenShift absolutely uh, setup that we okay all right yeah. that makes sense. Uh, th- this one one of the reasons we started this was to make analysis available in the WASI world. And really, you shouldn't start changing an application unless you understand it. So we need we needed a tool that could provide understanding to the developer for that for their changes. WASI requires several things. The first of those is a small footprint. If we're going to give each developer 
their own repository. We can't have a huge repository like ADDI requires with a huge footprint. Any tools they have have to be fast if they're, if, if they're to work locally. We also need them to be accessible by the pipeline. So there needs to be an API or a command line available for any tools we put in that environment. And we need support in on the platforms that we're going to work with in the cloud. So for us, that means that meant that we needed to look at providing analysis in Linux, Linux on Z. We needed something that was small with a small footprint that could be deployed and would provide rapid sub-second responses so that we could seamlessly integrate them into the rest of our tool set and into the pipeline. So if we want to do things automatically, we needed that all of those things to be true. And we realized a lot of those things we, we couldn't do with our current technology. So we had the knowledge about what we wanted and how to get it, um, but we went to ITP to bring in the technology that would enable us to put our analysis into the cloud. I think that brought us full circle to Shalini's question, which is great. So, <laughs> but sorry, go ahead. You were going to say the hypercloud. The, hyper, the, hy the hypercube. So, the hypercube is small and compact, but it also has subsecond responses. And that was really the thing that swung it for us being able to run a query and have the res response instantaneously. That, that means that anything we want to automate can be done within the pipeline without any delay. So we're not going to have developers sitting around waiting to have timing problems. And it, the technology allows us to build what we want to build and probably saved us at least three years of development time in the course of it. The new technology runs on Windows, Linux, and Linux on Z. So that's a great boost for us. Um, we are ourselves looking to do the final port and to ZOS because ITP didn't have expertise in writing software for ZOS. But uh, we've already succeeded in porting some of it to, to ZOS. And the first part that we'll see on, Z, uh, on ZOS will be the scanners. But... Linux on Z is is a great step forward for us. Okay, so that that might be something an area that we might want to probe uh, the distinction. So the uh, the existing use case for uh, taking these uh, the, the hypercube and these scanners, um, I may have misheard, but you're saying it's it's Linux on Z at this time. Or? Well, it's at the moment it's being used. Mm -hmm by the WASI toolset. WASI Analyze uses this new technology. The tools themselves make the decisions about the platforms. So we're providing a toolset that runs on Windows, Linux, and Linux on Z at the moment, and the tools will will deploy those uh, and integrate them as as required. Oh, so but for a WASI user, that doesn't really matter because... No. They're, they're still developing for ZOS. It just so happens that they're maybe not developing for ZOS on ZOS. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if they're using a Git repository, they're probably using a, an Eclipse client somewhere. Right. Yeah. Oh, they, okay. They, they, they're typically not sitting on ZOS. The, the, the part about porting from like Linux on Z or some of the other OSs 
does that have something to do with being able to fully take advantage of this when you're in the ADDI product? Well, with the ADDI, it would mean that you could have your repo- the at least the new repository. The new technology that being added to ADDI is a, is an add-on. So WASI Analyze will be part of ADDI, and those and that product is complementary. So it brings local uh, analysis to to the party. That part is a, a hypercube repository that drives a brand new web interface. So making the analysis available in the web means that it can be available to developers working in ISPF in on any platform they want. So the new the new tool has a web interface.